0: Hi, uh, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week in Review podcast on Friday, August the 21st. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about the latest coronavirus spin from Governor Hutchinson, proposed constitutional amendments on the ballot this year, and the Democratic National Convention. And who knows, maybe some other things. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. afternoon. So uh, I think we'll call this the, the spinning and grinning edition after a that, line uh, that you came up with in one of your posts. I and mean, that's, that's been a theme for the way Governor Hutchinson has, has handled his daily COVID updates. But this week, it <laughs> was really on display, I thought.
1: Yeah, I thought so. You know, you, you, could, say, you could say that he was emphasizing the positive. and 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 that that's one thing but i mean it has gotten to the point that it's almost laughable uh you know the the numbers the numbers that he chooses to emphasize and the way he tends to to spin the news it's it's simply because he wants everybody to go to school back next week and he's just not going to be deterred by any contrary uh input from anybody else i mean i i think you know they they this week, that the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement, which is in theory an independent nonprofit, but in fact its money flows heavily from public sources, put out some new data that's intended to let people know about the rate of COVID-19 infection in the geographic area of school districts. It's you know supposedly to put people's mind at ease. You might live in a district that has very few cases. You might live in a district that has an awful lot of cases. In the latter case, tough luck for you because Johnny Key and Ace Hudson made it clear yesterday it would take something near Armageddon for them to allow a school district to not have five-day-a-week classes. Well, and then it turns out that, that these that the standards set by the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement are wildly divergent from what many other national sources say is a warning level for COVID-19 cases. Uh, it's uh, If you're at 10 for 10,000 or 100 for 100,000, that's considered good in Arkansas, (laughs) but it's considered danger level by, for example, the Harvard Coronavirus Medical Group, the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Well, the governor says, you know, well, Dr. Birx is down here and she says we're making great progress and we may not be a red zone state next year maybe if everything goes well and and my, my strategies are working just as well as shutting down, although, in fact, the numbers se- seem to put the lie to that. But the funniest thing today, today was a small thing, I thought. And he decided to open his news conference with the great news that the Arkansas unemployment rate has declined by a percentage point in the last month. Well, that's true. But what he overlooked was, is there 14,000 fewer people working in Arkansas because that number of people, no longer is seeking work because there are no jobs to be found. I mean, the workforce is down hugely from the same month last year. And so an unemployment rate is kind of meaningless, meaningless if you're not working, but you're just not considered in the unemployed status. So I don't know. This kind of stuff's been happening all week. And I I don't know what to say about it, except that I think the governor is really to the point of misleading people and, and almost dishonest. And, there was really a great moment. Somebody, a ringer, snuck into the news conference. Oh, today.
0: That, was, that was Dr. Anika Whitfield. Well, <laughs> who yeah. probably will not be getting back in again. he has been think a long she'll time. Pass,
1: she'll pass it. the doorway next time because she asked some pretty pointed questions. Number one, about the simple fact, and, and the Democrat Gazette reported this morning about Little Rock School District, everybody's intending to get people hotspots for Wi Fi access they're intending to get everybody Chromebooks so everybody can have a computer, but they haven't done it yet. And they haven't gotten all, they've tried to get all the protective gear, but they haven't done it yet. And they have good intentions about protecting teachers who have health problems, but they haven't done it yet. And so she asked about that and he kind of slipped and slided and shucked and jived around that question. But then she tried to follow it up with a question saying, how can you say things are safe when people are dying all over the country? And he said, "Next question." Basically, he just he just ignored her. I, I think uh, I think Anika will not be back.
0: Yeah, she she also asked some good questions about eviction moratorium and and other things. I mean, you know the 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 way the governor handles a lot of these things, it it appears as if he is only talking to you know, chamber of commerce, big business people, and, and is not uh, in touch with what's really happening to folks out there.
1: Well, and, and Olivia Paschal, uh, who's a, a journalist who's based in Northwest Arkansas, wrote a story for Facing South, I guess, and maybe in another outlet. And it was a really in-depth examination of what's gone terribly wrong in the poultry industry. And that is there have been thousands of people get sick working in poultry plants. There've been a number of deaths. And she poses the question, why did this happen without, you know, more government action? And, and, and as I've said in several different ways, the answer, and she pointed out in her story, there are ways to make poultry plant workers safer. You can have stronger government relations, stronger government inspection, and you can slow down the production line. Well, all those things are bad for business. And if there's anything Governor Hutchinson doesn't intend to be, it's bad for business. And the schools really just look at them as another chicken cutting plant. Yeah, some people are going to get sick, and there are ways to make them safer, but it would cost a lot of money, and ASA wants people to go back to school no matter what the risks are for the teachers and students who are in there. I I just think it's unconscionable, but I I guess I'm just a voice in the wilderness. The Arkansas Advocates for Children and Family added their voice to this course today. They're a a sane, sensible, very serious organization, and they said we ought to delay full school opening until mid-September. To be sure, number one, that we got all the gear, we've got all the computers, we've got all the protective gear, all the steps have been taken. People know how to use the new online programs, if that's the case. But also because there may be another big spike upward after Labor Day weekend. Let's see how that shakes out. Baker Curris, the a former Little Rock School superintendent, former school board member. And a lawyer uh, wrote a great op-ed that, that he he offered the Democrat Gazette, but they couldn't get around to running it for several weeks. So I, I ran it online this morning. And it's 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 also the fact that the schools simply aren't ready to open yet. But some might be. It, there might be. And, but that should be a local control issue, and it's not a matter legally. The governor should have control over and. Again, he's raises—I have a constitutional question: of whether the governor has the power to tell districts what they can and cannot do. I don't think he does, but nobody's had the gumption to stand up and try and stop him yet. So, so here we are, and and I just—it'll I, I, be a miracle if we don't have a disaster.
0: That's yeah, it's it's likely to come to head in the coming weeks as school districts, uh, you know, cases develop in districts and leadership wants to. To shut down but the state resists well the fact is 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 is, ace is as i've said before is playing the
1: trump i hope there's a miracle game because he's essentially acknowledging that that day may come where we have to go back to virtual learning again and 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 he's ordering everybody to be prepared to do it well if i mean are we really rolling the dice on people's lives and hoping that it'll work out i think the answer to that is yes arkansas is and and you know, at the same time, I mean, you mentioned the eviction question. More bullshit from the governor. More total bullshit. He said, "Oh, oh, well, there, there." The Arkansas Community Foundation has some assistance program. In other words, there may be some charity out there for people. They're they're evicting people by the boatload in Arkansas. He says he's going to monitor the situation. He's been monitoring it now for five months and not doing a g damn thing. Uh, you know, i i and and he puts that silly grin on all during and he. He acts like he's a moderate and he's just screwing poor people week in and week out, day in and day out and not telling the truth about it. And I've just kind of had a gut full of it, frankly.
0: Well, before we move on, just a few more uh, notes about the school. Our red zone uh, criteria is five times higher than the White House's. And the spin, you you can see it actually having an effect. Uh, Melanie Fox, who's... Uh, Former Litterock School District School Board Member uh, has been on the Community Advisory Board. Suggested at I think the last Community Advisory Board meeting that Litterock shouldn't should open virtually that it wasn't ready uh, because of uh, levels of infection in the community. She said last night. I mean, not that it matters, of course, because the CAB has no power. But still last night she said i'm glad that we have these ACI numbers and looking at it it appears that things are better and that's because it's green and green is a cool color and people no it's because it's it's
1: thoroughly dishonest and i pressed uh, ACI on it and they sent me this and i refused to talk to joe thompson about it because i didn't want him to bullshit me i said just give me a written statement and it, it was i posted it online later today and he said well we're modeling after minnesota well we're not exactly directly comparable minnesota in either population and also their their standards are set by county not by school district and but they also have their their standards very clearly state at a much lower level it's time to go to virtual schooling in minnesota which arkansas is not doing that and there's no suggestion that we do that it's it's the dishonesty and, and, and the fact that ACE has co-opted these doctors who get up and like that terrible episode when the, the health department doctor had been directly quoted about problems in Arkansas tied to our opening up and she basically had to take it back because it made Asa look bad. It's a, not a proud moment for, for science or for politics in Arkansas.
0: Well, the final thing I'll say uh, as a, a parent and a parent of Litterack School District, which I think is going to have uh, unique problems, it's going to be bad. Everybody knows it's going to be bad. The teachers know it's going to be bad. The administrators know it's going to be bad. I think the parents are, are, are already have that sense. But I, I think I would commend everyone. Allie Nolan's uh, column last week. Uh, Allie, of course, is a frequent contributor to ours and she's running for school board. Uh, in Literack. and she she made the important point that desperate parents should not take it out on, uh, you know, genuinely freaked out teachers. It's not their fault. They don't have everything that they need to do this. Uh, it it and they're scared for their health. So everybody needs to to be patient with everybody as we go through this, and uh, maybe we'll figure it out. I, I don't have I don't have. Uh, so, yeah, I
1: don't, I don't, I don't have high hopes. I mean, some people will do all right, and I think the the virtual program that they're using in Little Rock may be better than what they fell back on during the truncated school year last year. I, I mean, I have the continuing concerns about the poorest kids and their ability to be educated anywhere but in the school setting. I, I you know, I, I, I don't know. I, well, I, you know, I guess I hope Ace's miracle occurs and that you know everything will turn out fine because. Otherwise, those who are behind will continue to fall behind. And, and meanwhile, we, if you're not, I, I don't know if you're planning to mention this crazy school tax thing that arose last night. I
0: mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> let, 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 let's talk about it.
1: Well, I mean, we have this situation. And again, I'm not taking anything out on Michael Poor. I think he's relentlessly upbeat. He's got a difficult situation. He's trying hard to run the school district all the time with uh, Johnny Key's boot on his neck because Johnny Key, the education secretary, is the Little Rock school board under state control. Well, there is an incredible need in Little Rock to replace Cloverdale Middle School, which is an embarrassing disaster, and also replace some of the elementary schools in southwest Little Rock, which serves a predominantly black and Latino community and then a poor community. And so Poor says it's time to try again to extend the school tax millage. And an extension isn't exactly an increase, but it is in that it otherwise would expire if you didn't pass it. And so he told that community advisory board last night and they said it was good. They're they're good people. And, And but here's the deal. They're talking about putting it on the ballot in 74 days with no notice until yesterday. And it'll be Johnny Key who puts it on the ballot. It won't be an elected school board and there'll be no promises made by an elected school board about how the money will be spent. And I simply don't trust Johnny Key. I'm gonna I mean the, the notion that I'm gonna go into a November election and vote for Johnny Key tax increase on the Little Rock School District when he screwed us every way but loose for the last six years, I don't think so. I ain't gonna do it. I think we ought to elect the school board in November and then let them call a special election on the tax increase, which should be decided by people who really care about the Little Rock School District, and get some promises from them on how the money's gonna be spent, and then maybe we do it and then and, and make the case that it's needed not have it lost in a presidential election year decided by a bunch of people who either don't care about the Little Rock School District or hate it. I, I just, I mean, I, I don't blame Mike for moving forward, but boy, I, I, I don't quite understand it. But in any event, anything that John Key proposes, I'm just kind of start being against because that's how bad he's been for the Little Rock School District.
0: Well, and as you noted in your blog item about this, there's uh, – a long Republican push to get all school elections on on the general election ballot Got our school school board elections that are happening that way this time. So uh, Republicans are probably going to poo poo the idea of a special election.
1: Oh, right. I think they would. I think the chance of passing a tax increase at the general election for Little Rock school district amid this disaster is just almost nil. And I'm not sure that's not even the Johnny key plan. I mean, there, there are people are already fleeing the district for homeschooling and for private schools. Those are going to afford to go to private schools. There's a push on by Republicans for more school vouchers in Arkansas. They're opening up. They've approved still more charter schools for the Little Rock area. I mean, I, I think I think the pandemic is viewed as an opportunity to crush remaining public schools, and and, and that's— that's a nutty conspiracy theory, I suppose, but, but I, I don't see any, what I don't see is a movement to preserve public schools coming out of the Hutchinson administration. Everything seems contrary to it, to me. So I uh, accepting gifts from Johnny key. I'm just not ready to do.
0: Okay. Well, let's, let's move on. I, I think anyone who, uh, who cares about uh, democracy and has been following the news and, Plans to vote uh, absentee in Arkansas knows that you need to request your ballot right away if you haven't already, and you need to mail it right away uh, to because of these U.S. postal shenanigans from the Trump administration. Yeah, well,
1: of course you can't you can't mail it until you get it, and they're not going to mail them until about early September. But but you can go ahead and request it now. Sure. The the, the minute it is ready, it will be mailed to you.
0: Well, I, I think the one thing that, that has gotten um, not as much coverage as candidates are the, uh, the proposed constitutional amendments that are going to be on the ballot. So walk us through what's, what's there and what we should think about.
1: Well, the, the legislature has two stinkers. One of them is to increase the sales tax by a half cent in 2023 to pay for highways stick poor people with a, yet another sales tax increase so the highway contractors will have a steady flow of money. Another one is a totally dishonest term limits amendment that essentially eliminates term limits, although it's called a term limits amendment. I won't get into the specifics of it, but it it should be an automatic no vote, but probably will pass. But those those are from the legislature. But there there are two amendments that are still alive that we're trying to get on the ballot by popular petition. One of them is is a very good, sound idea to have a nonpartisan commission draw legislative district lines, both at the state legislative level and for congressional offices. The other proposal, and, and they had the same, basically similar financial backing from a, a good government billionaire in Houston, Texas, It would uh, end partisan primary elections in Arkansas. You'd have an open primary, and then there'd be ranked choice voting and a general election runoff from the top four candidates. And This produces the very good outcome of being sure that the person elected to any given office has support from the majority of the voters in that district. Uh, The Republicans hate both these things because they currently would control redistricting, and the current party primary system in a state that's trended Republican absolutely favors (laughs) the controlling party uh, you know in an open primary some you might get a split vote on their two republican candidates and a better democrat slip in and might actually win an election now and then to me that wouldn't be a bad thing but that that also can work in their favor by the way as well and heavily democratic districts and it's done so in other places in the south well they both of these required expensive paid canvassing campaigns to get on the ballot the legislature It's passed law after law after law to make petition drives very difficult to mount, particularly using paid canvassers. And this is by design because the Constitution, until it's amended, absolutely preserves the right to petition government. So what the legislature and the business lobby and the Republican Party has done in response is to make it, if not illegal, almost practically impossible. And the, these two petition drives, they found some flaws, they say, although the, the backers of these drives say they're off base in some respects, in the gathering of signatures by the paid canvassers. And on that ground, the Republican Secretary of State, using some new procedures that haven't been used before, said both of these didn't qualify for the ballot. Both these campaigns have filed appeals with the state Supreme Court, and those appeals are still pending. The Democrat Gazette wrote a story today which I, I kind of had a different emphasis yesterday because the Republican Party finance lawyers who oppose these amendments filed some pretty interesting pleadings in the last week that, that claims that neither of those campaigns met the initial threshold for a facially significant, uh, significant number of signatures to qualify for review of whether they actually were registered voters. And I, I think under the law that it prevails – Depending on whether they're telling the truth or not, that's a pretty good argument. And Thurston, the Republican Secretary of State, wanted to void the amendments right now because yesterday was the day to certify what's going to be on the ballot in November. And he didn't get a ruling from the Supreme Court. The appeals are still pending now. So he's going to, he has now certified to the county election commissions that these amendments should be on the ballot. So they'll be printed there, and you'll see them on your ballot no matter what happens. This does not mean you may get to vote on them. The Supreme Court can rule that, no, that they're deficient for any number of reasons and, and say don't count the votes. And this has happened before, that amendments have reached the ballot or, or candidates have reached the ballot that have been ruled off and the votes for them didn't count. So, so the, I mean, there's a, the, both these campaigns declared victory today because they don't want to put political pressure on the Supreme Court to approve these amendments, but we're not there yet.
0: OK, well, um, let's talk. I don't think we need to belabor it, but let's talk a little bit about the Democratic National Convention. I, I watched only pieces of it. What were your takeaways?
1: I watched the full two hours every night, and I thought the, the, the virtual convention happened to be the greatest invention ever. I mean, somebody has ripped it as saying, oh, it's just an infomercial. Well, yeah, but that's all the conventions ever were. But they were forced to do it in a tight time span, and so it got edited like a TV show. And it was, it was some good stuff. I mean, there were. I think my wife and I were talking this morning. I think Michelle Obama's speech was the best. Barack Obama's was second best. Uh, then you had Gabby Giffords, and then you had Joe Biden, and you had Jill Biden, and all of those hit home runs. I thought. I thought Joe Biden's acceptance speech. Trump had managed to set the bar so low for Sleepy Joe and expectation he'd be terrible that the fact that Biden delivered a clean, mistake-free, gaff free well-delivered emotional speech meant he just hit a—even Fox News commentators said it was a good speech. I thought New York Magazine had the best description of it. They called it spectacularly adequate. (laughs) which i thought was which i thought was a pretty good way to put it i mean it was not the best speech content wise or anything wrong with the content it was kind of oh almost pedestrian in, in a way except but but it was delivered well and so that was good enough and you know here's the thing joe biden is competent and joe biden's a nice guy and donald trump is neither and that that I think it's going to become even more evident next week in the the horror show that we're going to see with the Republican hate convention next week. But, but then there were these incredible emotional moments. Gabby Giffords given the longest speech since she was almost fatally shot 10 years ago was a great speech. And then they had her playing the French horn America, my country tis of the, I was about to cry for that. But then this thing last night where they had the young kid on, who's a stutterer giving a speech.
0: Yeah, I watched
1: Oh, Jesus. I mean, it was fabulous. And I've seen since then the full video of when Joe Biden met this kid on the campaign trail and hugged him and talked to him and got his phone number and said, I've worked with people like you. You're going to be okay. I mean, I was just in tears. Un- Unbelievable. I mean, Joe Biden, I'm not, I, he was not my pick for this for this office but he is real and he is a good guy and listen in today's time that's a hundred percent
0: qualification
1: as far as i'm concerned
0: amen all right let's move on to endorsements what do you got this week man
1: you know my days have just become groundhog day you know i get up and read the paper and i work and then i cook dinner and have a couple of drinks and go to bed i can't stay awake very long and so but I, I the one thing i thought you know i'm not ready to travel i wish i could travel but i've started doing a little bit of this and i think it's safe caravanning sometimes i'm not i'm not caravanning i'm just driving around a little bit and yeah. i and i and i have discovered that, that a lot of people are doing this too a particular popular route and i recommend it it's just kind of slowly motoring out Rebsman Park Road out past Murray Park and back, you know, and just looking at the green space. And there are a lot of people out in the park and picnicking and walking and what have you. And I'm not going to do that, but just driving around in the car on a nice day. And we had a wonderful week this week of weather to do it. Now, if we lived in West Texas and had an open container law, the perfect way to do it would be with a six pack of Pearl or Lone Star beer. But, <laughs> but, but I'm not recommending that. <laughs> of, of course, although I thought about it a time or two, I must admit. But I did, uh, I did get some assistance one day from picking up some petty fours from Blue Cake Company. And I want to endorse them—they're these little miniature layer cakes, basically, to come in flavors like coconut and vanilla and carrot cake and chocolate and peanut butter. And I'll just get a box full of those and gorge until you're sick. They're wonderful.
0: Uh, that sounds delightful. Uh, well, I'll do, too. I spent some time in, in Cersei this week, and uh, every day for lunch picked up food from Wilma's, which is a Filipino place, maybe the only Filipino restaurant in Arkansas. And it's pretty wow. good. They were on the, uh, the reality show that Cersei won where they had the, the folks come in and do a makeover. So um, I think it's been around for a while, but, you know, it's, it's real nice in there, not overdone. Uh, they're only open for takeout amid the pandemic. Um, got a you know pretty wide but not overwhelming menu. Had some really good lumpia, like the little egg roll mm-hmm. type thing. Egg rolls, yeah. And um,
1: have something in an adobo, surely.
0: I had some adobo and and uh, different kinds of pansa, which is a noodle dish. So yeah. If you're in Cersei, not a a ton of great food options, but try Wilma's.
1: Another nightmare of my my last trip I got a butt in is I spent a day anchored off Manila. We thought we were gonna go to the Philippines and eat in the Philippines, but the Philippines wouldn't let us off the boat because of the pandemic crisis. So anyway, that's my Filipino story.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested. I mean, you know, such an interesting cultural mix and uh, Filipino cuisine. I, I want to dive into it a little bit more. My second quick recommendation is that I've always been a music geek, and uh, you know, learned everything that I can about music, and gotten into uh, to knowing everything about pop and rap and soul. But until my 40th year, have basically uh, not gotten into jazz. But I'm I'm falling hard into it, and. So I've just been been listening to everything and get my hands on to, and today it was Jazz Vocalist Day, and so I listened to Mose Allison Sings and a bunch of Andy Bay, and I would recommend both of those if anyone feels like a little jazz, uh, jazz vocal album. All right, well, yeah. we'll leave it there, and uh, everybody be safe out there, especially as school's starting back.
1: Good luck to everybody.
0: We'll be back next week.
1: Take care. See ya.